Tonight we pick it up in Leviticus chapter 14. Tuesday night we went through these two chapters. They're quite lengthy, chapters 14 and 15. And um, it's the whole counsel of God. Uh, Actually, 13 and 14. Chapters 13 and 14. But we pick it up in 14. And as we went through this, we just looked at the defilement of leprosy, quarantining, all these things. And as you get to chapter 14, I read both chapters. They're both very long, but I read them both because one chapter makes it clear you're very defiled by your physical body. And then the second chapter makes it clear how you need to be cleansed and how you can be declared clean. And this, of course, is very symbolic and foreshadowing of what Romans chapter 3 says, that all sin and fall short of the glory of God. We're defiled and we need to be saved. And Romans 6.23, that, you know, the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. We have... A sickness that defiles us. It's sin, not leprosy. It's worse. And we have a Savior that cleanses us, and it's Jesus. And he's the only one that can cleanse us. And that's the real story about leprosy and its role in the Bible. We see leprosy in the Old Testament, particularly in these chapters. We see stories of lepers in the Old Testament, like Naaman, the Syrian general. And then we see leprosy in the New Testament, where, you know, Jesus cleansed the leper, said, I'm willing. And then he healed the ten lepers. And the one that came back and thanked him wasn't even Jewish. He was a Samaritan. And so we, we see that leprosy was a big part of their life. And leprosy, as we understand it in the Bible, is modern Hansen's disease. And the thing that makes Hansen's disease so interesting is it deadens the nerves. So as we read about leprosy here in a moment in the text, what we need to understand what we're reading about, it's, it's, a, it's a disease, it's a skin disease that it, it expands and it corrupts. And it has all kinds of horrible effects but it, 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 it kills the nerves. And so what it does is it desensitizes its victims to pain. Thus, the whole idea behind leprosy is that, you know, when you're a leper, you have all these open sores and you don't feel the pain. And as much as we don't like pain, not feeling pain is worse. Kind of like I say, as much as I don't like to be chastened by the Lord, not being chastened is worse, right? So the greatest curse of leprosy is you become desensitized to the corruption going on in you so you don't feel anything. And, you know, they, the rats come and can chew your toes off when you're sleeping. All that kind of stuff. It was the most dreaded thing. If you ever watched Ben-Hur, the movie, the classic from the 60s, the, the sisters, the mom and the sister get leprosy and they go to the Valley of the Lepers. And the most dramatic scene is when they open the prison to let them out. And it's like, ah, and it's leprosy. It's just the, the whole stigma of leprosy. And we even see in the text from the previous chapter on Tuesday night, you had to walk with your face covered saying, I'm a leper, and you had to walk around people. You didn't want to have leprosy, but again, leprosy speaks of something more. It's a physical affliction that corrodes and corrupts, destroys, desensitizes, and ultimately kills its victims, which is exactly what sin does. So in verse 1, we read this. As God was given the law of leprosy and how to deal with pronounced leprosy and all these things, houses, garments, he says this. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, this shall be the law of the leper for the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought to the priest and the priest shall go out of the camp and the priest shall examine him. And indeed, if the leprosy is healed in the leper, then the priest shall command to take for him who is to be cleansed two living and clean birds, cedar wood, scarlet and hyssop. And the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed in an earthen vessel over running water. As for the living bird, he shall take it, the cedar wood and the scarlet and the hyssop, and dip them in the living bird, the blood of the bird that was killed, over the running water, and sprinkle it seven times on him who is to be cleansed from the leprosy, and shall pronounce him clean, and shall let the living bird loose in the open field. 
God tells stories. You know, he really does. He gives us pictures. He gives us like poems and stories. He gives us things to relate to. Think when he sent Nathan to David to confront him in his sin. He gave him the story about the neighbor with one sheep and the neighbor has all the other sheep and he takes the other one and kills it. And David says, who could do this such a thing? He'll die. And Nathan says, you're the man. God gave Nathan the prophet a story for David that would help him understand his sin and how horrible it was and that he would become his own judge of that sin once he heard the story that framed it that way. Because we are very quick to judge other people's sins, but we're slow to recognize ours and to see them as evil on us as we might see them on someone else. That's why we always have to check ourselves, like Jesus said. But in this story, it's, of course, an amazing type of the gospel where this, these two birds are brought in and one bird is killed, its blood is sprinkled to pronounce cleansing, and then the other bird is released. So one pays the price and the other flies away free, and we'll get to that. But it's certainly a type of what Christ did for us. God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. The just for the unjust. Jesus is the bird that dies for us, and through faith in him, we're the bird that flies away free. And that's really what this story is all about. And I think it's wonderful in the Old Testament how God does this, where he gives us word pictures and stories and types and foreshadows of like what Christ would do on the cross. It's just, it's just amazing what he do for people. So like when Peter's preaching in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost about Jesus fulfilling the prophecies and the scriptures and all these things, he, he could have just grabbed a bird and said, this bird represents Christ for us and this bird represents what you can have tonight in Jesus Christ and let the bird fly away. Fly away, bird, because that represents you when you give your life to Christ. This, this is for us. This is written for our instruction, our admonition, that yet again we can see the gospel and the person and the work of Jesus in a different light. Because if we think of a man on the cross, like we don't like people, and some of you definitely don't like men, okay? But if we think of an innocent little bird having its neck ringed and its blood spattered, that, that you know, some of us are more upset by a dead bird than a dead human being. I mean, I'm just being honest. And so this story and this process to declare the leper clean is very powerful, and it penetrates deep. Like it says in Hebrews, it separates bone and marrow, soul and spirit. Because it, it takes us like to when we're a child and how you felt when you saw a dead bird. Or how, the joy of seeing the bird fly away and the marvel of a hummingbird at the feeder in your backyard. You see, it, 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 it makes us like a child. Because Jesus said, us to become like a child. And in this story with these two birds, it, it takes us to the simplicity of nature and things that are repulsive and things that are beautiful. A bird having its neck wrung and its blood spattered is repulsive, but a bird flying away free as a result of that bird, fly away, birdie, it's beautiful. That's how God speaks to us. He's given us a story of the gospel here 1,500 years before Christ came. Now, there is the leper, the priest, and the substitute. The leper, verse 1 He's a leper. It's us. All of us fit this category. We don't have Hansen's disease, but the disease of sin we all have. Like I said, Romans 3.23, all have sinned. And in the law of the leper, sin is made very clear. And the leper was outside the camp. He couldn't be with the community. He's separated. And of course, apart from Christ, we're not in the heavenly community. Hell is what? It's being alone in outer darkness. The Bible makes that very, very clear. And the leper was, in a sense, a very real living hell. 
in, with the Hansen's disease, to be ostracized from everybody and to have no chance in life, per se, because of this, and ultimately to be rotting and imploding on yourself as your body's eating itself, you're literally imploding on yourself with leprosy. And that's what sin is like, too, in a spiritual way for us. But the law of the leper for the day of his cleansing begins with the fact that he is a leper. And the leper in the previous chapter is pronounced unclean. He is unclean. They are unclean. Now, there's things physically that made them defined as unclean. But we know spiritually with sin, we're unclean because the Bible says it all of sin. And it's one of those verses that is both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Both in the Old and the New Testament, we're told that all have sinned. Solomon says we're all sinners. And then Romans 3 says we're all sinners. And of course, the preaching of the early church made it clear to Gentiles and Jews alike, all humanity, that we need to be saved from our sin. This is the issue. The leper in us all. Ray Comfort, for almost 40 years, has done a great job of bringing this truth to reality in his outreach ministries, many of which for years have been in Huntington Beach, where people think they're going to say themselves, I'm a good person, I do this, I go to church. And he'd ask people, what do you think gets you to heaven? Oh, I go to church. I give money at church. I, uh, I believe in God. Well, which God? Well, all the gods, you know. And he, he would just kind of bring him in. He's like, and he would pull out the law of the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments, and he still does. And it's like, well, have you lied? Well, of course, everyone has. Okay, well, you lied. Okay, you ever stole? Yeah, well, of course. And you ever hated someone? Yeah, I guess. And you ever lusted? Of course. So, and he would bring these people to a place who five minutes before thought they're going to heaven because they're a good person. And then with the law of God, he would show them that if you've even done this in your heart, you're guilty. And he would get them to agree on their guilt. He'd get them to agree that they're a leper. That's what the law does of the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments. We're told in Galatians that the the law, the Ten Commandments, is our tutor to bring us to Christ. It basically says, you're a leper. See, the priest never made anyone healed. We talked about the priest in great detail. The priest just shows up and is like, he examines. He's like the law. Yeah, like the rich young ruler. All these things you've done since your youth. You've, You've done this. You honored your father and your mother. You did all that. You never stole. Yeah, but one thing you lack, go and sell everything and follow me. So covetousness was obviously the one thing, right? He, that one thing, Jesus revealed the one thing in the rich young ruler that showed that he was, couldn't save himself. And the law reveals that. So the word of God becomes like the priest, our examiner, that shows our need for Christ. That's why it's so important that the word of God is taught, preached, proclaimed. That's why it's so important that every minister that occupies the pulpit believes the Bible is the word of God from Genesis to Revelation. And Jack Hibbs said something funny this week, talking about his church. He goes, church, we've been through the Bible together. Chapter, book by book, chapter by chapter, yes, and even verse by verse, even the tricky verses. Because, you know, there are tricky verses. I got to teach on bodily discharge next Tuesday, okay? I got to get him to talk about bodily discharge for a whole chapter. So that's a preview of Tuesday night. But let me say this, I'm never going to apologize for God's word, and it's there for a reason. He set up our reproductive systems, and they're defiled by sin. And if we're embarrassed, good for us, and it makes us draw closer to Christ. I never, I, I, if anything, I have more trouble with Song of Solomon than I do bodily discharge. But I know it's all there for a reason. Do you understand that? It's really important that we believe all the Bible. This is what's kind of at stake in our timeline. Paul said, I'm innocent in the blood of all men because I've not ceased to declare to you the whole counsel of God. This is very important. That's why we're in this chapter tonight. 
because we're going through this verse by verse. And with the whole counsel of God going forth, the word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword, and it does pierce bone and marrow, soul, and spirit. My good friend Kenny Gaines, who served with me 30 years ago in ministry at Calvary Chapel of Houston, the drug and alcohol recovery ministry, asked him how he got saved. You know what he said? Leviticus. I began to read the Bible, and I was doing okay until I got to Leviticus. He goes, by the time I was doing Leviticus, I knew I was an evil, defiled man. And then someone told me Jesus was my answer. He got saved through Leviticus. It's the whole council. And the word is like that priest. It examines us and says, you're a leper. And that's why we can't shrink back from knowing the word, be prepared to give a defense, a reason for the hope that's in you to anyone that asks you, to, to the word of the Lord I've hidden in my heart, and we can declare it. It restrains us. And that's why we need to know the word of God. We need to have our convictions. When the singing issue came up a month ago, it, it, it was very easy to say, look, this is the way it is in the Old Testament. This is the way in the New Testament. This is the way it is with Jesus. This is the way in the book, the book of Acts. Or this is the way it is in you know, the epistles and in the instructional manual. This is the way it is in Revelation. Do I think government is higher than singing to Jesus? No, I do not. Okay, there's my hill. Here's our banner. We're going to praise the Lord, right? Like, that comes from the word. And I also know the word doesn't make me any better than the governor or anyone else. It just tells me I need to be saved. And I need to obey it. And the more I obey it, the more the blessings are upon me and my wife, my children, and my children's children. And the same for you. Right? God said to Joshua, don't depart to the right, to the right or to the left. You, you walk in this word, you'll prosper in everything you do. And the devil is trying to, to suppress the word of God in our country right now. He's trying to silence the churches. He's trying to silence the gospel. He's trying to shut them down. And people, it's working because less people are going to church. Less people are, you think people are going to watch church on TV forever? Are you kidding me? No, they're not. We're the church. And we come together and we stir up love and good works. We stir up love and good works. Our faith is built up and it strengthens us to go out and live the life we're living. We're not called to car in a bunker and watch, a, you know, everything online all the time. Now, obviously... There's a place for that. We, we know that. We've done that. Remember, 15 weeks has become a... 15 days became 15 weeks. It could be 15 months. could be 15 years. We're the church, and it's the whole counsel of God, all of it. And as the word goes forth, it examines us. It corrects us. In fact, we're told in 2 Timothy, it's to thoroughly equip us to be reproved and corrected. So as the priest would examine and determine the situation and declare it unclean, that's what God does for us. That's what it does for a society. That's what it does for a community. It's government, it's people, it's businesses. And I've told you this. On my prayer walk in 2008, when I prayed before the election, and I prayed from the, touched the wall, the border wall in Mexico, and walked all the way past the grapevine to Maricopa. Alex was a part of that. Some of you might have also been a part of it. Alex, of course, you remember that. Um, but the night I remember most was very interesting because our women were getting together that night. And Hannah, you're here. You dropped me off. Hannah dropped me off at the Long Beach River, like where the Los Angeles River comes out by Seal Beach before you cross into Long Beach right there. And I walked from there all the way to Hermosa Beach that night praying right at PCH. That's the night when the cops told me you don't want to go down PCH in Long Beach. I'm like, I'm reading the Bible right now. If I can't believe God to keep me safe in Long Beach, how am I going to trust him to resurrect me on the day of Christ Jesus? And all right, fair enough. So I, I did that walk, and later that night, about 10 at night, I was in Redondo Beach on PCH. And this is what I remember. When I went through Redondo Beach, I noticed the community was very clean. Uh, it felt safe. 
And I noticed there are a lot of churches. You know, when you're walking, you're going slow. You think about when I talked about walking between the missions back in the day, you walk 30 miles, you got a lot to think about. There's a lot of churches in Redondo Beach. I didn't really notice liquor stores, things that just kind of destroy marriages and families. I saw churches, lots of churches. The high school looked really nice. And then I came to Hermosa Beach. And the first thing I noticed was all the trash. And then the liquor stores. And then the pornographic newspapers. Right? The word of God restrains that in our life, in our home, in our community. And however much a community wants to be governed by God's word, it's to the benefit of the recipients and the people of the community. Of the community. When the righteous reign, it's good for the city. But when the evil come to power, it's bad for everybody. That's what the Proverbs declare. And this is why it's so important that the church hold its ground now more than ever. Of course, our president supports us in this. He's trying to write new laws on a large scale to protect religious freedoms that are being attacked all over the place at all levels in this country. All over the place. You, can just, you know like insects, when you turn the rock over and the centipede runs and there goes the little earwig and all that stuff? COVID turned the rock over in America and all little insects are running their direction and they're trying to seize the power and do their little evil things like little Stalinists that they are to suppress the gospel and can take power and control people. Because that's what sociopaths do. And that's what, that's what Stalin was. And again, it's not one dictator that ruins people's lives. It's people that think like them that didn't exercise that same abusive worldview contrary to God upon the local com- community and people. That's what happens. The tyranny works down to a micro level. And that's why it's so important that each community has the leaders that fear God and embrace the gospel for the benefit of their community and their society and their schools, the PT, and they're involved. Because it stops, it reveals corrosion of leprosy, sin, and it, and it, it heals it, it corrects it. I've seen this script. And I've seen where this is going. And now is the time for the ministers of the gospel more than ever to stand strong and faithful with the convictions of their faith in Jesus. And now we're on the line. I've been getting Voice of the Martyrs magazine for 15 years. And now I'm feeling some of that stuff that they felt all this time. And so are you. Our society, our state, our state government, our community, our community government, my home, all of us, we all need to have the leprosy identified, examined, and removed on a daily basis, to the benefit of our lives, our family, our community, our businesses, and wherever we are. And the word of God is what does it. And that's why it's so important we gather together. And when the church gathered together, what was the first thing they did? The apostles' doctrine, the word of God, was the most important thing they did. Study the word that sets the plumb line for right and wrong. We need to just... We're all sinners. I don't think I'm any better than anyone else. I don't think we're all reached things is better than anyone else. But we're, we need to be faithful. And we need to let God's word judge us and not let it be judged by other people. And the most dangerous thing going on in this country right now is all these unbelieving, atheistic, demonically inspired people judging God's word. And it's a bad day for them in eternity. Not only do they make earth harder for those who love God, but they store up wrath for themselves on the day of the Lord. It's always better to let God's word judge us Again, for us to sit back and judge God's word. Because Mao Zedong is gone, Stalin's gone, Hitler's gone. And all these type of people who think like them, they're gone. And all these people with so much power that cause fear in our lives right now, they'll be gone. 
Because the glory of man is like the grass of the field that grows and withers and it fades away. But the word of the Lord abideth forever. Leprosy, we all have it. We're all sinners and some sinners want to be cleansed and some sinners want to live like lepers and become desensitized to sin in their life, desensitized to sin in their family, desensitized to sin in their community, desensitized to sin in their community, their, their country and spread it like a plague. That's what they want to do. And it always destroys. Righteousness exalts a nation and sin is a reproach like leprosy spreading in the camp to any people at any time. And that's why we must stand for God's word and God's truth. And that's why we must understand how important this battle is that we're in right now as the body of Christ in the year of our Lord, 2020. This isn't about a pandemic or mask. This is about freedom of speech and freedom of religion. Don't be confused and don't be deceived. What's going on above us is not about a mask. It's about control and a completely different worldview than the ones we were born into being born in this country 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago. And if we lose it all on my watch so my grandkids over here don't have it 10 years from now, it won't because I didn't pray and didn't stand and didn't care. And may you say the same thing when you step into eternity and give an account because we're all going to give an account. You see, Romans 1 tells us that when people, godless men, suppress the truth in ungodliness, that God gives them over. And they, they're given over to depraved minds. So they go for genital mutilation and think it's natural. They go for unnatural things in definition of marriage and think it's natural. They make right, wrong, and wrong, right. And they're completely given over. And usually they're kept in check. But if they're running the show, the inmates are running the asylum. And that's how we have these countries that have never recovered from things like that in their past. Leprosy always destroys. Sin always destroys and desensitizes. And look how desensitized our country is right now, society, socially, right now. How desensitized we are to truth and falsehood. That we're so confused and we're so afraid to stand up for truth and speak truth. Do not be that person. Do not be desensitized to truth and God's word, which is absolute, his position, his character, which never changes. It's a young earth. You're created with purpose. He made them male and female for his glory and his purposes, and that will never change. And no matter how much Rome is rotting from within, it cannot change you, your worldview, and your purpose, and your obedience to the gospel. Leprosy always destroys. Don't let it destroy you. Sin always destroys. Now, it says that he would be declared clean. This is a tricky one because he's isolated now. It says that the leprosy is healed in the leper. No one ever was healed of leprosy in the sense of a doctor healing them. In the Old Testament and in the New Testament, when there was leprosy, no one had a medicine like the healing balm of Gilead, like it says in Jeremiah. There was no medicinal thing that healed. It was terminal, and sin is terminal, and there was no healing. Now, when Naaman was healed, it was supernatural. God did that for him in the Jordan River, right? He dunked seven times, and he was healed, if you know that story. It was supernatural. When the leper came to Jesus, said, if you are willing, you can cleanse me. And Jesus said, I'm willing. And Jesus touched him. He wasn't defiled. Jesus cleanses, because what he touches is always good and brings life. And he healed him. And then again, when he healed the, the 10 lepers, the one leper came back and gave thanks. And they were healed. And as they went to show themselves to the priest, they were healed. And what did he say to the leper, by the way, for his healing, for his cleansing? Your faith has healed you. We need faith, not fear. 
We need faith in Jesus Christ to be healed from our leprosy and the power that sin wants to reign over us, that the devil wants to reign over us, the fear wants to reign over us. But your faith has healed you. We need to keep walking in the direction that Jesus tells us to go for healing, for cleansing, for obedience. Go show yourself, and as they went, they were healed. And as we go forward with the Lord, with what he's called us to do, we move toward glory to glory and we become more who we're meant to be. And the things that formerly held us in bondage were healed from as we go forward by just doing what God wants us to do. Your faith has made you well. Faith with feet in action made them well. The lepers in Luke chapter 17. Only Jesus can do this. This priest, the the law of the Old Testament, could never heal Your body had to do it, and there's no record of it ever doing it on its own. So this whole instruction of chapters 13 and 14, there's no record ever again of it happening and being played out in the biblical record this way. The only way we can be healed is through faith in Jesus Christ, which brings us to that key thought, being pronounced clean. Because the priest could only pronounce them clean, but he couldn't make them clean. Bear that in mind. He, He couldn't do anything to make them clean. He just showed up clean, unclean. If the scab's healed, if the hair's not white, the black hair's back, all that stuff that you see in chapter 13, he could just say, yeah, you're clean. The quarantine worked, you're clean. But he couldn't give them medicine and he couldn't do anything to make them clean. That's why when Jesus sent the leper to the priest, the first leper in Matthew 8, go show yourself, it would be a testimony. It was meant to be a testimony that he was supernaturally healed by Jesus Christ. It was a testimony that Jesus is the Messiah and he has authority over defilement of leprosy. But unfortunately, that leper missed that testimony, which makes me think I definitely don't want to miss mine, and you don't want to miss yours for such a time as this, whatever that testimony is. But it's the two birds. It all comes back down to the two birds. The living bird that was killed, uh, and then the other bird that's it's over them and released to them. It's the substitute. And this is what's so important. That Jesus Christ is our substitute. This morning in my devotion, I I was in Mark chapter 15, which of course is the chapter with Jesus going to the cross. They say, crucify, crucify. And they crucified him. And he was crucified. And they crucified him. And the guys crucified with him. And the word crucified used numerous times. Jesus Christ is the bird that was killed for us. So we need to think about this when we think about what we're willing to risk in our obedience to the Lord. Not just in COVID-19, but just in general. What are we willing to risk for the Savior? I mean, there's so many people who going to church for so long, like, oh, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer. But you talk to them, they don't make sense at all when you talk to them about, they don't make biblical sense. I mean, there's so many people. I've told you this, this story 30 years ago. I went to Virginia Beach, started the church. Church grew to about 150, 200 people in like six months. People were blown away, like Calvary Chapel on the East Coast. It was very unusual. And the Lord asked me, what do you want to do? Do you want to make churchgoers or disciples? There's a lot of big churches in Virginia Beach. And I was like, well, the Great Commission is disciples. Of course I want to make disciples. Okay. They blew up the church. He looked like, like in three weeks' time, we went from 150 people to less than 50. We had 40, 50 people coming out midweek. Two weeks later, there was a row, like right about here by John, three people. I'm like, Lord, what are you doing? He's like, you said you want to make disciples. You want to make disciples of churchgoers. I'm, 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 I'm purging the church. I'm doing you a favor. I'm, I'm sifting. I'm sifting. And that church built back up and was the much the better for it. 
God breaks down and then he builds up. And when I look at this whole COVID thing, I feel like that's what he's doing. I feel like you know, a lot of churches are 30%, 40%, 50% down. And the longer they're closed, the less those people ever come back, just like the businesses. Talked to Bruce Bartos going to Santa Monica last weekend when his son was in town. Go to their favorite restaurant, closed. All those businesses boarded up and closed, not reopening in Santa Monica. It didn't look the same. It looked like a war zone, Bruce Bartos said. It's a strange time we live in. It's a very strange time we live in. And right now, as I've sought the Lord for four months, the things that come to mind is like Gideon's men, where there's 30,000, and then 10,000, down to 300 men. And there in Hebrews, it says that there's a shaking. And when the shaking's going on, the things that are solid remain, and only what's solid will remain. And it's hard to watch people get scattered. It's hard to watch people leave church and not come back. It's hard to watch people turn against the church for people who are standing for truth like they're doing right now. There's a lot of people that are against John MacArthur, Raul Reese, and Jeff Johnson. They'll probably be at their churches protesting tomorrow. And they call themselves Christians. And maybe they are. But who are you to judge another's master, uh, another servant of the, the master, it says in Romans. One man esteems one day, another, another. Let each be convinced in their own mind. I'm not, I'm not holding against anyone. If they feel like they shouldn't open their church, I would encourage them they should. After all, that's what the Bible tells us to do. But I'm not going to give an account for that church. I learned that a long time ago. I'm going to give an account for this church. And I can tell you one thing for sure. No matter what the future holds, we're going to keep gathering weekly. I don't know where, when, or how, but this church is not going to shut down again like we did for 12 weeks. That's not happening again. I just don't see that happening. If I'm here by myself, time with boils on myself like the Black Plague, fair enough for me. You can join me or stay home, whatever you want to do. I told you this the other night. 80% of Europe perished during the Black Plague. That's a pandemic. It took the, took the planet two centuries to recover the population lost during the Black Plague in the Middle Ages. That's a pandemic. 0.004 fatality rate. That's not a pandemic. Whatever this is, I'm not, COVID's real. We all have our theories, who started it, what's the agenda, where it's going. It's real. I'm not saying COVID's not real. COVID's real. And it's very much a threat to people that are older or have weakened immune systems and compromised things. I'm not, it is. So make sure you understand me there. But for healthy people, younger people, close all the schools, the suicide rates going up, all these other things happening. All the people that were supposed to have medical care that didn't have medical care in the last four months, because of COVID, it's, it's been insanity. So we come back to two birds. Because when you come to what you don't know, you fall back on what you do know. And what I do know is this, Jesus Christ died in our place. And he's the bird that has neck broken and blood shed so we could fly away. And he didn't do that so we could live in fear. He did that so we could fly away in faith. For those that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength like eagles and mount up like eagles and they'll run and not faint and they'll soar. And the hardest thing for me as a pastor in 33 years is watching people crawl in a hole and cower in the last four months and lose sight of who's on the throne, what he's done for us and what he's going to do for us. Jesus is coming and he's coming in glory. And he said, nonetheless, when he comes, will he find faith on that day? That's a good question to leave with tonight. When Jesus comes, will he find faith? He said it, not me. Nonetheless, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, will he find faith? And who then is that good and faithful wise servant? Who's the bird that's flying away? 
Who's flying away? Because Jesus was bloodied, beaten, and went through things that we can't even imagine so we could soar to our future of everything God has for us in time, space, and matter for all eternity. His neck was ringed, his blood was shed and sprinkled on us so we could fly. We could fly. Fly to the highest levels that God has for us. Not be grounded with wings clipped, living in fear. So may we purpose tonight, right now, on the story of the cleansing of the leper, to take every thought captive of being to Christ and renounce fear. Fear of the unknown. Fear of evil men. Fear of conspiracies, proven or disproven. May we purpose tonight to build an altar of faith with the songs we just sang from 20 years of serving Jesus with WG. That's the WG soundtrack, by the way, of 20 years with Scott, serving with Scott. But we build an altar on August 8th, and we say, you know what? We may not be called to go to church or stand in L.A. It may be our L.A. tomorrow or next week, maybe next year, maybe never. But we need to care for those. We need to care for those who are in prison. We need to care for those, you know, a cup of cold water in Jesus' name doesn't go in vain. We need a bigger vision, and we need to soar with that vision. Because Jesus had his neck wrung and his blood shed so we could fly away free. He gives us the analogy and the imagery. He gives us, this is not me, this is God. This is not me giving a cute story from the sermon. From a, I got off the internet or something. This is God's word. Jesus is the bird with the broken neck and his blood shed. And that blood is sprinkled so you and I can fly away in faith and fulfill everything we're called to do. And having done all to stand to stand and not retract even though we see a lot of retraction but stand and as things are shaken and they're being shaken make sure you're standing on a firm foundation of the Lord make sure that you're on a firm foundation wide and broad is the path that leads to destruction many go thereby but narrow is the gate that leads to life fly, fly in faith and victory not in fear And fulfill what God has for us at this time. And I can tell you one thing for sure you can do tomorrow. Fulfilling God's will. Wake up and pray for our brothers and sisters in this country. And our president. And our governor. And all these people. How would you like to be a Christian that loves the Lord? And you're a police officer. And you got to go to one of these churches. And you're being told you have to arrest people. How would you like to be that cop tomorrow? We need to pray. Let's all stand.